Hello, welcome to Tartsy. I'm here with Kate Alexander-Shaw to discuss the autumn statement and spending review. Welcome, Kate. Thanks for having me. First of all, can you give us an overview of today's statement? Yeah, um, another another very um, political, very substantive uh, uh, budget statement from George Osborne, which in itself is interesting. Um, a few years ago when George Osborne came in as Chancellor, he, there was some criticism from him of the fact that under Gordon Brown, the then pre-budget report had become a rather bloated exercise and a rather um, political exercise. Um, and the idea was that we'd go back to having a rather more dry and technical um, sort of uh, forecasting statement in the autumn, something, and hence it was renamed back to the autumn statement. This was going to be a more traditional um, and less political kind of day. Um, attaching a spending review to an autumn statement immediately blows that out of the water. This was very explicitly a fiscal event um, and had some very big news in the mix. Um, we knew going into into this um, spending review that the uh, the envelope was going to be tight, that there would be more cuts coming down the pipeline, but that certain budgets were protected already, so the axe might fall very heavily on those areas that, that weren't protected. Um, but we didn't know exactly how hard, how fast. We knew that um, the planned cuts from tax credits um, were going to be off the table because of the um, House of Lords having blocked that bill uh, or amended that bill. Um, so there were some big questions still open about how George Osborne was going to um, achieve the savings he was looking for. Um, so lots to watch out for in this statement. So what have we learned about the overall fiscal position today? Well, we already knew that Osborne was targeting uh, very specifically uh, a particular fiscal outcome by the end of this parliament. He wants the budget in surplus by 2020. Um, so that becomes the fixed point around, this, uh, around which this spending review has to revolve. And all spending reviews are an exercise in balancing an equation. Um, you've got spending, revenue and public borrowing, and those three things combine to give you your, your fiscal outcome. Um, when you're targeting a specific fiscal outcome, as Osborne is, then those three things have to balance um, in, in very obvious ways. Um, so what we got in, in this spending review was, of course, some quite substantial cuts, not least to those departments whose um, settlements hadn't been protected or pre-agreed. Um, but we also got some big news on taxation. There are some quite substantive tax, um, tax announcements in the mix. Um, and indeed, the fiscal position for Osborne, which was expected to be so very tight, turned out to be rather more um, accommodating than had been expected, which was a combination of his uh, growth forecast from the OBR still um, holding up fairly well, but also some technical changes in the way they've modelled tax receipts, which gave him more room for manoeuvre. Um, so Osborne's uh, tough day at the office was a little less tough for him than, um, than had been generally expected. So one of the big political issues of the recent past has been the welfare. So what have we learned about the welfare budget, welfare position today? Um, well, on the face of it, George Osborne's had to make two very significant concessions on welfare, um, with the House of Lords having um, asked for transitional arrangements to ease in the planned cuts to tax credits over the next several years. The um, something like 4.4 billion of savings he was looking for there weren't available to him. Um, so the question was, would he, um, would he row back on that entirely? Would he attempt to phase in those, those cuts? in the event he decided to, to drop the idea altogether. So this was one of the big um, big announcements of the day, uh, that there would be um, ostensibly no attempt to phase in those tax credit cuts yet. In practice, actually, some elements of it are still going forward, like uh, restricting 
uh, eligibility to just two children in a household. But on the sort of headline level, that was a big U-turn. Um, and, and by doing so, um, the implication of that U-turn was that the government's self-imposed welfare cap, the ceiling on which, um, which government had placed on its overall welfare bill, was going to be breached. And apparently not just this year, but at least one more year to come. Um, so that, that, again, was apparently a very difficult piece of um, messaging for George Osborne to, to deliver. But in practice, it didn't seem to um, didn't seem to be too bad of a day at the office for him, um, and he was able to um, sort of position himself in the centre ground as having listened to representations that this was not the right way to go, and having accepted those, and recognising that it was important to have a transition for families. So all the all the things that the government was was um, holding out against very, very strongly when the tax credits bill was in the House a few weeks ago were now apparently George Osborne's position. Um, there's also, I think, a question about the kind of long-run politics of that welfare cap. While on one level and in the short term it's very embarrassing for a Chancellor to have to come to Parliament and explain that he's, he's missed this target and that's what the, the legislation requires him to do. Uh, in the long run, the fact that that conversation has to be had and will apparently be had a couple of times in the coming years might not be too bad of a thing for a, um, a right-wing party that wants to have a broader conversation about the welfare bill going forward. So rather, as in the United States, the, the fact that the debt ceiling is fixed and that requires a conversation um, about overall government spending every couple of years, which tends to empower the right-wing and the Tea Party over there and becomes a bit of a political set-piece. This could become a sort of British equivalent to that. Conversations around the welfare cap might just be a way of tilting the public debate around that in favour of the fiscal hawks um, and inviting a certain amount of scrutiny of welfare spending that wasn't there before. So it might be a little embarrassing for a Conservative Chancellor to be the one missing that target, but it might nonetheless serve his long-term interest that that conversation is opened up. So there's been more about tax announced today than was expected. So what were the tax announcements and what have we learned? This is one of the striking features of this, this spending review and by putting it with an autumn statement it made it possible for Osborne to be pulling tax levers alongside the spending ones that we knew he would be pulling. Um, and there are some really quite substantial tax changes in this, this autumn statement. Um, the, the biggest is the new apprenticeships levy which I think is supposed to raise something like three billion a year. Um, that's a, a, a effectively a kind of payroll tax on the largest businesses um, and represents quite substantial new tax on business in that light. It's, it's worth much more than the corporation tax cut of the summer was. So what was given on the one hand in the summer has now been taken away with, with some interest. Um, there's also new taxes for buy-to-letters and second homeowners, traditionally Tory voters, one might think. Um, but there's going to be a new higher rate of stamp duty for people buying properties to rent out or as second homes. Um, and just to throw another political grenade into the mix, another tax grenade, we've got council tax potentially going up for the first time in years, um, albeit in a, a sort of um, hypothecated way to pay specifically for adult social care. Um, so I think Osborne's probably judged that that's a more acceptable um, way of raising council tax than a, a general council tax increase. It's linked very specifically to care for the elderly. Um, but nonetheless, those three changes together are worth more than £20 billion. So these are very substantial um, com components of this spending settlement. So whereas we, we were used to expecting most of the action to be on the spending side through cuts, 
for a Conservative Chancellor, George Osborne's shown some willingness to, to um, discover the joy of taxation this time. So one of the more striking announcements has been about the apprenticeship levy. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, apparently that's going to be a 0.5% um, tax on the payroll of larger employers. So Osborne seems to be saying that the vast majority of companies wouldn't be affected, but those that do will apparently be raising quite a lot of money for the Exchequer, which sounds like quite a, a, an anti-business move and a surprising one from a, a Conservative Chancellor. And I expect there will be some resistance from um, business uh, leaders and business lobbyists in the coming weeks. But it's interesting to look at the small print again in the Office for Budget Responsibilities um, fiscal outlook. Alongside this, they explain how they factor all these things into their models. And they're assuming that actually the majority of the costs of that, um, that levy will be passed on by employers to their staff via uh, depressed wage increases, pay freezes or pay cuts even. Um, so Actually, if you put that in the context of Osborne's stated ambition for a higher, higher wage, lower welfare economy, it sits rather uncomfortably there. It's not clear how, if that levy is passed on to employees, that adds up to the kind of higher wage Britain that he's looking for. So what announcements were made about housing today? Yeah, housing was one of the um, one of the, the larger announcements in the, the sort of midsection of this speech, which has the various spending settlements. And housing had apparently done quite well. There's going to be a big increase in the uh, budget for house building, um, so so government subsidy for for new build private property. And this was very explicitly about private housing, housing to buy rather than social housing, which remains um, significantly squeezed. You've got measures like the changes to housing benefits, the changes in the housing association sector, and the extension of right to buy to housing association properties. So social housing remains out of favour and very squeezed and at the same time this government is on sort of solidly Tory ground of promoting home ownership, promoting um, private house building and um, it's, it's not very surprising in some ways that that's the way they might have gone um, because if you're a department coming to the Treasury for your spending settlements at a spending review it generally helps if you can demonstrate not just need but some kind of extra bang for the buck. Um, and housing is often attractive to chancellors because it has a sort of stimulus effect in some ways. That's open to some criticism for potentially stoking up bubbles. But nonetheless, housing money might just be part of a kind of Osborne economic strategy that, that um, supports the growth forecasts he's looking for. Um, the other area where some extra money was announced earlier in the week was defence procurement and it's uh, an interesting question whether that might be part of a similar strategy. There are some key constituencies around the country where that um, new military equipment might be being built that might well benefit in terms of jobs or growth um, from that bit of public spending. So to the extent that there's been any room for largesse in those spending settlements it might well be that that's been where there was some scope to um, underpin economic growth at the same time. So finally what the the politics of all of this? Um, I think the takeaway today for me was that what should have, on the face of it, been a rather difficult set of announcements for George Osborne to make came off as actually a rather good day's work for him. He seemed um, confident, he had some rabbits up his sleeve compared to what had been expected. And again, this seems to be something of a pattern with, with Osborne's recent statements. Um, there's a lot of very clever expectation management going on. The news that's trailed in the lead in the, the days leading up to the summer budget and the days leading up to this spending review 
um, was actually relatively negative. There were some, some kind of quite tough messages coming out. Um, for example, we were led to believe that the police budget would be in for a cut. Um, in fact, Osborne announced that he had no plans to cut that budget, although the devil might be in the small print there. But again, that's, that seems to have been, whereas on the face of it, that's, that's the chance of having to make another U-turn on the idea that he wanted to cut the police budget and couldn't. Actually, I suspect there's a bit of clever expectation management going on. And what it ensures is that even though there's still some very substantial um, austerity measures in this package, it gets, as a whole, it gets a softer landing than it might in the media because it's never quite as bad as people were expecting it to be. Great. Thank you very much, Kate. You're off the hot seat. Thank you.